It's time to sit down and relax for the good, the bad, and the sequel Q&A with your host, Doug. Hey there, Doug here. Happy Tuesday, and we have a bonus interview for you. So I was lucky enough to interview an actress from one of my favorite horror movies of all time, The Hills Have Eyes, and that actress is Susie Lanier Bramlett. Susie was so interesting. She pretty much does everything that you can do entertainment-wise, and you'll hear it uh, during the interview. We also talked about how she played Chrissy on Three's Company. She was in Welcome Back, Cotter. And then she took a break and went into the music industry uh, with her husband, Delaney Bramlett. So, yeah, she's done it all. You're going to love her. So here is Susie Lanier Bramlett. Enjoy. So, how are you tonight? Where where are you? Where are you actually? I'm in New Jersey. Oh, New Jersey. Is it cold? Yeah. Uh, actually it's kind of weird this winter we haven't gotten anything really yet, like one snowstorm, but uh really not that cold. I was able to take my daughter out for a walk today, which is nice. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I just got back from taking my dog for a walk. Yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> However, I do leave for St. Louis in the morning bright and early and uh i understand it's very cold there so oh yeah no the midwest is pretty rough in the winter but uh well that's cool what are you going there for Uh, i'm going to do a show with an actress named cleo king she we do a workshop here in los angeles i did it last year with her for black history month and um uh, it is, uh, but we, she calls it love history month. We did two shows on Sunday and the audience loved it. And it's just, um, trying to bring people together and see our commonalities rather than our differences. Yeah. That's beautiful. No, that's really cool that you do that. It's the first time this is your first time ever going to St. Louis. No, I played St. Louis in, let me see some time. Oh, it was around eighty. Before I think, uh, with Donald O'Connor, I did a, a comedy with him called Wally's Cafe, and we did a, a long, long tour throughout the United States, and um, it was a, it was it was wild. My, it was really fun. So St. Louis was fun. Did you ever play Jersey at all, or New York? I used to live in New York City. Oh, nice. I went to NYU, and I lived on the Lower East Side in Manhattan. And so I love New York. It's my favorite city and probably would live there again, uh, except that I live near Malibu. And so it's really beautiful. And I love the ocean and I, I love the mountains. And so when I'm in New York, I get a little claustrophobic. So oh, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so cool so what i like to do with these is like really talk about obviously some of the fantastic credits that you've had over the years but how you got started so where'd you grow up i grew up in dallas and i was i was walking across the park when i was about 12 or 13 and i saw this group by picnic table and i was curious and i went over and there was an adult man with these kids and um, I figured out that they were having an audition for a play and the man was the director. And so I asked if I could audition and it was called Winnie the Littlest Witch. And I got the part of Winnie the Littlest Witch because I was always kind of more petite than my friends. And so 
I got the part. And so I won an award that year in Dallas and I got the bug. So I started taking drama, you know, whenever we could in school. And then more, I went to junior high school with Morgan Fairchild. And so Morgan's mother was very supportive of our acting. So she would drive us to, uh, we did a couple of plays at a professional theater in Dallas called Theater Three. And her mother would drive us to rehearsal and bring us home. And I'm very indebted to her mother's last name was McClenny, Mrs. McClenny, because I don't know that I would have had the path and the the journey that I had without her. That's amazing that somebody stepped up and helped you out. And all these years later, that that's a cool memory to have that somebody was like looking out for you. Yeah. And you know, Morgan and I are still very good friends. I talked to her yesterday. So, you know, we're, we're very, very close. And when I do my cabaret show, I always give a tribute to Mrs. McClenny, you know, because she, she was so instrumental in, in my life. My, you know, my mom and dad were just normal average Texans who go, you know, you're going to be what, <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, I don't think so. You need to get a college degree and, you know, get married and have babies, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I did end up having a baby and I did get married a couple of times, but <laughs> they got their wish, but uh, I still uh, did not quit acting. So that's great. So how quick after that? So you, you do the, you do the play, you win the award, and then you do some at big theaters in Dallas. When did you think about going to NYU? Well, I I got a job after school in high school as a DJ at the radio station, the, the biggest rock and roll station in even that area, not just Dallas, but in that whole Midwest area called KBOX. It was That's huge. Awesome. And so I got a little exposure doing that and I never thought about doing film. I, I, you know, my love was the theater. And, and so when you think of LA, you really only think of television. And at that time, you know, Lassie, it was the biggest star on TV. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I didn't, I didn't think too much about being a movie star, which seemed much too overwhelming and too crazy or insane, but doing theater out of New York and staying busy during doing theater out of New York, I knew it could be a possibility for me. So I never thought about coming to Los Angeles. I always, you know, there, there was like no choice. It was like you, if you don't go to New York, then you can't make it, you know? Yeah. So I, I moved to New York then when I was really young, like, barely 18. And I talk about that in a book I'm writing about going there so young and thinking that I'm really grown, but I'm not, I'm still a baby, but I thought I was grown. And um, I started auditioning right away. I got a manager right away. I got cast in hair right away. So I got a, uh, you know, I got some nice parts. A lot of people don't realize that show business, if you're going to be in it, it's it's really important that you start when you're young. And when you're young is when all the opportunities, you know, the best opportunities are when you're 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. And if, 
if you haven't really gotten some decent credits under your belt by the time you're 27 or so, it's probably not going to happen. And I know that there are some exceptions to that rule, but when I was about 35 and I, or 40 and, and, and I was teaching acting in L.A., I would tell girls, you know, if you wait till you're 30, it's too late. It, it, you know, you got to hit it when you're young and get those first credits and get your foot in the door when you're young, because, you know, when you're 30, it's too late. No, that makes sense. So when did your first credit happen when it comes to acting? The first thing on IMDb, obviously you're doing acting on stage. But the first one on here is called The Pickle Goes in the Middle in 1973. That was, yeah, I had gone back to Dallas from New York and I got that movie and it was just a low budget movie, but it was the movie that forced me to have to join the union. I'd done some non-union film in New York and there was a lot of it in the late 60s, early 70s, there was a lot of non-union indie films. And I had done some of those. And then when I got the pickle goes in the middle, I was forced to join the union. And, you know, that was a very proud day, actually. And um, <clears throat> so anyway, I did that. That was my first union film. Yeah. But I had done some films before. As a matter of fact, I had auditioned, and I don't remember if I got the part or not. I don't think I did, but I auditioned for Robert Downey Jr.'s father. Oh, wow. Robert Downey Sr. Uh, for a very independent film he did, and I can't remember the name of it. So, that, but I remember when I, that was kind of a peculiar name and one I, one I would remember. And then when Robert Downey Jr. made it so big, I thought, well, auditioned for his dad, you know, when he might not have even been, he probably wasn't even born or he, well, he was born, but, you know, I don't know. Anyway, New York was, you know, it was scarier there too. You know, you go into these, go up these rickety elevators and go audition in these little spaces. And, you know, I, I looked, I lucked out and didn't get murdered or raped or killed or anything, but that's could good. have come close. Yeah. <laughs> Especially pretty much after that, that's when it got really rough. Like the Bronx is burning, like the mid seventies, son of Sam. It was a lot of craziness going on throughout that time. Yeah. You know what? I never, but when you're young, you think that nothing bad can happen. Oh, totally. And, um, and that you think you have the answers and, and you're going to be fine. And mom quit worrying about me, blah, 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 you know? And I think that all teenagers, if they're normal, go through that. And I did not feel vulnerable at the time. I felt like I could accomplish anything and go after anything if I worked hard enough. And I think, I think that that, uh, that was the main ingredient for everything that I did or ended up doing was that I worked my butt off and <laughs> it, and you know, um, I think that people on the, that aren't doing it, but that want to do it, think that it looks easy and it is very, very hard. It is very, very hard to, it's a hard life. It's a hard career. It's very competitive. It's very nasty you have to have a really tough 
thick skin to be able to handle the rejection. And, you know, that's just part of it. And if, and if you're not made of that, and many, most people are not, they, they, you might get a film or two and then you go home to Kansas, you know? Yeah. And that's what happens to so many young people. They come here and they think they're going to take Hollywood by storm. And if they haven't made it in three years, they real maybe or 10, if they, maybe they say they're going to give it 10 years, they tuck their tail between their legs and run home because it, it's hard and I don't blame them. Yeah. It's, it's a survival of the fittest. I've talked to a couple of people that when they moved out there, they had buddies with them. He said one by one, they just like bol- all went back to, it was a different part of Texas and he worked in like special effects, but no, no, I hear you on that. So, so how did happy days come about? Well, that, you know, I, and I, and I also like to emphasize that so many opportunities are through who, you know, and I'd gone to high school and won some of those awards with a young, a guy who was my age, who had moved to Hollywood. I moved to New York and he moved to LA when we were 17 or 18 and he ended up getting a job as a writer on happy days. Oh, wow. Then he became one of the top producers on happy days and was very tight with Gary Marshall. So when I came to LA, he had told me to call him. I called him the first day that I got here and he said, we'll come to the set tomorrow and on at Paramount. And so I did. And Henry Winkler came right up to me and said, hi, I'm Henry, you know, and he was, this was the first season. So he wasn't a huge star by then. He did, he was big, you know, he, he instantly took off, but he was not a huge household name yet. And he said, Hey, may I make her my girlfriend? And so Bill wrote me in that week. And that was my first Hollywood job. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, that was really cool. And and and, and again, his name is William S. Bickley, Bill Bickley, and, and we're still very good friends and neighbors, actually. So, oh, really? You know, yeah, so after all these years from being, you know, I've known him and Morgan, and he was in that same theater group that Morgan and I were in when we were 14 and 15 years old, and we're all still friends. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. That is so cool. Yeah, I mean this is cool because I haven't I haven't really talked about some of this stuff before on interviews. So this is a this is a really cool that it's a different spin because you know some of the stories I just tell over again and it, it becomes automatic, but yeah, but yeah, I haven't I told you. these stories. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I'm lucky. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, uh Bill's credits. Man, that guy Oof, that is unreal. He's powerful. He's he's a powerful person, and he's also a wonderful writer and a wonderful person. So he deserved the success. He he was very very successful in this town. You know that's hard to do. Oh yeah, no, definitely. And it's more consistent. Like a lot of people sometimes can write a hit show or be on one show, and no, it seems like everything he touched turned into gold. He was like uh-huh. the ABC Friday night. Like me growing up, I watched TGIF every Friday. And it was like him, step-by-step step, Family Matters. That's so cool. Oh, yeah. He did them all. 
Yeah, we we met for dinner not a few a couple of months ago and hung out. I talked to him. I don't know a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, I'm still really. We're all. It was kind of like it was a very unique high school we attended. You could kind of specialize in what your art form, like the music people, went on to be professional musicians and the. Even the fine art painting people went on to be renowned dress designers, and and it was a tiny school. There were only 150 people in our graduating class, so it was this tiny school, and so there weren't that many people in the drama department, in the art department, in the music department, but we, we had great teachers, and we all just went and stayed in the career that we wanted to do in high school. That's cool that they give you that opportunity because then you're, you have that tunnel vision towards it, which is good at times rather than just, you know, learning all the basic core classes and trying to figure out when you're 18, at least you have some classes leading up to that. Oh yeah. Because by the time I was 18, I had won interscholastic league contests uh, all over the, all over the place and, and was ready to audition in New York. You know, of course, I studied acting when I got to New York, but there was no need for me to go to a junior college in Texas and waste a couple of years. You know, it was time to go and just jump in. And so I did that. And so did Bill, by the way. Yeah. I mean, we got we we got, we had nice educations. I'm not saying I didn't go to college. I ended up going to NYU, <laughs> Which is but amazing. I went to NYU and acted and did commercials and, and things while I was in school. What kind of commercials were you in? What kind of products were they for? Oh my God. Toyota and, and Arthur Treacher's fish and chips. I mean, you know, all kinds of things. <laughs> I did that with Amy Irving. And then I did a couple of commercials when I was really young with Deborah Winger. What? You know, I, that's you, cool. You can't keep up with all those things, but oh, I know. But you that's know, cool. Yeah. So then, from Happy Days, you had that little that little opportunity to be on that, and then it seems like a bunch of like right from there, it looked like 1976 was a big year for you. You were in a lot. Of it, yeah, that was big because you know I had had to go back to Dallas for some personal reasons and from New York and got hired immediately in doing dinner theater. And all of those were comedies. So my comedy chops were quite tight. So when I moved to LA, I was on a tour with Pat Paulson doing Last to the Red Hot Lovers, Neil Simon's play. And his agent was with ICM. And he said, oh, you got to move to LA and we'll rep you. So I... I started with one of the top agents. And so he got me the happy day, you know, well, Bill got me the happy days, but I started doing all this comedy. And then suddenly I'm doing Barnaby Jones, a drama, right? And I really liked doing that. I loved Buddy Ebsen and Pat Hingle. Pat Hingle was great. And so Pat Hingle could tell that I did not have a lot of film experience. And so one day he said, come to my trailer. I can tell you haven't been on the set a lot. And I said, no, I haven't. And, and he said, you're a really good actress, but you need to ask, you know, if you need to hit your mark and you can't feel it and you can't look down and go, oh yeah, well, there's the line. I have to stop there. 
And so he taught me how to ask for a sandbag and different things, etiquette on the set and and what to ask for and what not to do. And I, I could not have had more incredible teachers than Betty Upson and Pat Hingle. You know? That's awesome. Yeah, Barney. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Bobby Jones, uh, that's so cool. And then welcome back, Cotter. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, by that time, I was having a lot of fun. You yeah. know, it was... It was fun, and and I'd come, I'd gone back out on the road and come, done more comedy, and had come back to L.A. So there were there were some times where I was out doing theater. I mean, the biggest theater piece was Night of the Iguana, which is not on my IMDb, but I played the Sue Lion role in Night Night of the Iguana. So I took a break from the TV to do that at the Amundsen Theater with Richard Chamberlain, Raymond Massey, Eleanor Parker, Dorothy McGuire, and myself. And we started that in that play. I started in that play with Richard Chamberlain at the Amundsen and Tennessee Williams participated. And that was a, a huge thing. And so again, you know, my love for the theater has always I think I've I've always found it more satisfying than doing film, but I love to do both. You know, yeah. now I love to do both, but it's, you know, a lot of film work is getting your makeup and sit in your dressing room and wait, you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, in St. Louis, when I go to St. Louis tomorrow, <clears throat> I'm going to be doing five shows in three days, live shows in three days with, different audiences and that's going to be nice. It's going to be fun. Do you like it for the rush of the live audience? Oh yeah. I like the interaction of the audience. I like to move the audience. We did two shows on Sunday and people were laughing and they were crying and you know, it's nice to see people moved emotionally in real life and to be able to have that, have, you know, feel the power of, of of that magic, you know, of making people think and feel things. It's it's great. And when you do, you don't know what people are thinking when they're watching you in a film or a TV show. They're just home eating popcorn or their dinner <laughs> and you, you're on in the background maybe, you know. No, that's true. When you're there, you know, I keep uh, sometimes at night, I'll watch Two and a Half Men just in the background while I'm, you know, piddling or folding clothes or whatever. And, and it's just background noise. Yeah. And I'll tune into it for a few seconds and then tune back out of it, you know, because it's not hard to, you know, it's not hard to comprehend or anything. You don't have to think. And so, you know, you're just there. That is so cool. So, so welcome back Cotter. And then right around that time, it doesn't have in a particular, the right over order, but so Electra, Woman and the Dina Girl. Yeah, Electra Woman and Dina Girl was with um, Judy Strangest and Deidre Hall. Yeah, and that was like four 
you did four of them. So that must have been pretty cool knowing like going to something that you're going to be in in a bunch of something and working with the same people. Well, it was a kid's show. And my agent at the time was just happy to have me working, of course. And that, oh, yeah. that, that was good. And that was his job. But playing Miss Dazzle, um, I had no idea I'd get that anybody would even ever see it because I thought just children would see it. Yeah. And sometimes when I go to the conventions and sign autographs, people will come up and have Miss Dazzle pictures. And I'll go, where did you get that? I mean, you know, like, why would you have even watched that? You know, so it's amazing what people actually will watch. And and because and, it really was uh, silly and a kid's show. Yeah, it kind of has that vibe of like, uh, like when my dad used to uh, like partake in marijuana and watch like HR Puff and stuff and Sigmund the Sea Monster. Like it seems like a kid's show, but seems like adults yeah. might enjoy it. Right, right. So, you know, and then I did um, uh, Kids from Caper and there, and sometimes I'll, I'll find clips of myself on YouTube that I don't put up. I don't know where people find these things and they just put them up on YouTube and there I am. So uh, the other day I was looking, I was talking to an, an actress named, I think you may have interviewed her, Christine DeBell. Yeah. Okay. So Christine and I are friends. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And she, I, I was talking to her today, but anyway. Sometimes she does a lot of the conventions, you know, and so she finds her merchandise online. So I just typed in the Hills Have Eyes to see if I could see a a, a poster I, I was not familiar with. And there I was, my image was printed on a tote bag and <laughs> mugs and T-shirts and all this stuff. And I thought, wow, I mean, A, I didn't know somebody was making money off my image like that and and i guess once it's in public domain i suppose you can do whatever you want but i, I don't know what the rules are my manager s- said something about it but i i wouldn't uh say anything you know yeah. it's, it's too big of a hassle to care if somebody has my picture i <laughs> guess it's flattering really that somebody would put my picture on a tote bag but you know you get these cult followings of people who like your work and those are your fans and and you want to interact with them and, you know, so the conventions are nice because you get to meet them yeah. and they, and they remember I've learned, I've learned more about my career from my fans than some of the things that I've retained in my mind about how, what I did. I forget things that I did. Yeah. Well, you're living the moment and people are observing from the outside. So no, I, I can understand that. Yeah, and I'm always on to the next project. Yeah, Once that's I'm true. done with one, I did a pilot in December called Stripped with Casper Van Diem and Brooke Lewis, and I play a very funny character in that. That's and, awesome. And, and that's for, I think, Hulu. And what's really cool <laughs> is that I always, um, you know, comedy's hard. Comedy is not as easy as drama. And... Um, I love the opportunity to be able to go and do a, a sitcom again, you know, and, and be funny because I, I 
feel like that is sort of my forte. So I, you know, I, I would just be happy having, you know, playing the old grandma on some sitcom now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stripped. I saw that name before. I'm helping Larry Hankin. I don't know if you're in the episode with him, but he's going to be on that show a few episodes. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. I noticed that. I saw that. And I never got to ask him about it yet, but now, now I will. I don't know him. I've never met him. But one of the producers, Brooke Lewis, was so excited that he was going to be on it. Yeah, so, I know. Larry's I know. a great guy. I, I've got. I only talked to him over the phone. He's out in California, so. But I've talked to him for about like eight nine hours, and uh, he's really super awesome guy. Cool. Eight or nine different times. You mean? Yeah, yeah. No, not all in a row. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that stuck out when I was like getting ready for this was on here the unaired pilot of Three's Company. Mm-hmm. That I never knew that that was a thing. So what was that like? Well, it was not a pleasant experience. I had just gotten back from LA after doing some reshooting of The Hills of Eyes. We had finished The Hills of Eyes and then they and then we had to and then they changed Wes changed some of it. So we had to go back out and do another week out in the desert. And so I was, had just gotten in that day. I had sand in my hair. I was all, you know, ripped apart from being in the desert and um, in the grocery store shopping. And I was paged in the grocery store to come to the phone. And it was my agent who I guess uh, the babysitter had told him where I was. And so he said, get over to ABC right now. And I said, well, I can't. I've got groceries. Get over there right now. So, okay, so I drop everything. I go to ABC. And there was already a girl playing Chrissy, and it wasn't working out in rehearsal. And so she already had three or four days under her belt. And so I only had two days to rehearse and then to shoot. So I had to learn all of those lines and learn the blocking and the timing in two days and then the shoot. So I felt like I was just sort of not, um, not at the top of my game because I was replacing somebody. Yeah. And I've had a lot of people say they prefer mine to Suzanne's, but you know, it is what it is. I mean, you, you, I I don't I got into the point at that time that I just I I just did not enjoy the process so much anymore and it was just a lot of hurrying and after we did the pilot it was in front of a live audience and they did not know who John Ritter was but they did know who I was from Welcome Back Cotter Oh, that's awesome. And they certainly did not know who Joyce DeWitt was. Yeah. Both of them were new to the audience. So every single question that the audience, almost every single question that the audience asked was in made to me. And so I was cute and bubbly and answered them. But I know that John Ritter was not happy with it at all. He had, uh, it was his initial deal with ABC. So I believe he probably just didn't care for the 
the attention I was getting. There's egos and then, yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, it was that. So, uh, I mean, and as it turned out, ju- just the role in itself, no matter who really played Chrissy, that's going to be one of the most interesting roles of all the roles that were written for it. I, I never thought that Joyce's role was terribly interesting. And John's was because John was a, a genius. He was a comedic genius, but it took a while for people to get to know who he was. And they didn't know who he was when we did the pilot. So I'm looking on YouTube and I was trying to see if they have the pilot. Cause sometimes they have things. I don't see like the full episode, but it looks like you sitting on the couch. They have like a, it says original theme, the threes company pilot with no lyrics. I'll send you a photo of it like afterwards. And, but it looks yeah, like, okay. it doesn't look yeah, like I mean, it's out. Uh, they, they sold it. ABC sold the DVD of this huge package of three's company with a lot of the episodes. And my pilot was in there and I was furious, but there was nothing I could do about it. Yeah. So, you know, I'd never even seen it until somebody showed it to me. So anyway, it was included in the big DVD package. It's okay. You know what I mean? I went on to do some other things that I like. And Suzanne did not last all that long anyway. You know, there, there, there were a lot of egos on that set. Yeah. So let's turn to something that, that I hope is a little happier. You just kind of mentioned it before. And I grew up loving it. I'm a huge Wes Craven fan. So The Hills Have Eyes, Brenda Carter. Were you a horror fan before any of this came came about? No, but I really was. I had done enough television to know that uh, I was right on the brink of moving back to New York to go back into the theater because I I just went, I, I really don't like this medium. I do not like TV. And I want to go do theater. I want to do serious stuff. And then... I got the offer to star in the Hills of Eyes. And doing movies to me is much more satisfying than doing television. Now, that being said, that was back in the 70s. And so things have changed. TV sets now are much more sophisticated. The scripts are fabulous. And, you know, it's changed since the silly 70s content you know so when Wes offered me the role I went yeah and my 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 agent did not want me to do a horror movie and I didn't like horror movies particularly I loved Vincent Price from like Pit and the Pendulum and stuff like that when I was little but I never thought about doing a horror movie but I met with Wes Craven and he was so cool and so nice and offered me the lead and I went well sure I'll do that now I made my agent hated it that I did it but the Hills of Eyes is the gift that keeps on giving I met my oh, husband yeah. because I did the Hills of Eyes so I got Why? a husband out of the deal yes he had seen it the night before I met him and so I you know I'm very grateful the Hills of Eyes has played a huge part in my life I just got asked to go to Moscow in March they wanted to honor me at the Russian Horror Film Festival for a Lifetime Achievement Award in Horror. Congrats. And 
And so I thought, well, that's so cool, you know. And no, I wouldn't have picked horror to do. I would much rather be doing, you know, Meryl Streep type of roles. But, you know, you don't get everything you want. So I feel lucky to have had the career I've had. And now with horror, obviously, like the final product is something that as a viewer and as when I watched when I was really young, it scared the, the living shit out of me. But while you're making it, it's obviously there's some like, it's not like you're thinking of it like that. But uh, so what was that shoot like? Well, it was hot in the summer. I mean, in the daytime and cold at night. And Wes was fabulous. And it was low budget. So uh, we, I was, <laughs> you know, I had been getting my, I was used to having my own trailer you know, and so we all were in the same trailer, you know, and so it was, you know, kind of rough, but it was fun. You know, it was fun. It was every project that I do once everybody was serious about making a good movie. You know, we all had the same goal in mind. We wanted it to be a good movie, but nobody when we were shooting it could have anticipated the impact that that movie had and the success that it ended up having. Nobody would have ever guessed in a million years that it would have been successful. And look where it is. You're going to get honored in Russia because of it. And I think that that cast is so cool. Like I love Michael Berryman. He's been in so many different horror. He was a weird science and D Wallace is in that movie too, which is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. D D is my neighbor. And for a long time, Mike, was my neighbor, but he's recently moved to Florida. So he does a lot of the horror conventions. Yeah. I interviewed his manager and she was really nice. She had great things to say about him. Yeah. Judy Fox. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh That's cool. Yeah. She's nice. Yeah. Lovely lady. So one thing that is really cool on your IMDb was Obviously, you took some time off, but what made you get back into it? Well, I I segued into music, and oh, so really? in the eighties, in the eighties, I was with Delaney Bramlett of, Del- of formerly from the group Delaney and Bonnie and Friends. Yeah, I was reading that. And Delaney produced Eric Clapton's first album, oh, wow. and I'd always wanted to do music, and I've always written songs, and so. I really, after the last pilot I did, I didn't care about, I did a pilot called Wilder and Wilder, and it didn't sell, and that was for CBS, and I was really sick of acting and being on the set, and I just wanted to do music, so I quit to do music for a long time, and had a band and made money at it and wrote some good, some nice songs with Delaney and he was very successful. And so we just had a life of music and would hang out in the studio and the studio was at our house. So I didn't have to go anywhere, you know, and also I decided I've always had a passion for photography. So I became a very well-known photographer. Really? What'd you shoot? I shot a lot of models and I would then I started off shooting actors headshot and then started getting modeling gigs and then actually had started shooting in Paris and New York and London. And I had a studio in Dallas, did a lot of work for Neiman Marcus. 
So I made really good money shooting. And so I, um, I did a shoot last week. I have a studio in, in my place and I, awesome. I love to shoot. Yeah. So I'm not one of these people that want to sit around and wait for an acting job, you know, because unless you are Meryl Streep, you know, and you can work whenever you want, then you're sitting around waiting for somebody to say, okay, we're going to use you. Yeah. Like I just auditioned for a film. I'm not supposed to talk about it, but anyway, I just, I just auditioned for a film to play a very famous person's wife. And, you know, they were all over me. Oh my God, that was great. That was fabulous. Whatever. And I haven't heard anything. Now I might still get it. I might not. I probably didn't, but you know, you, put all this energy and you get dressed and you drive to Hollywood and you go to the, you wait and then you audition and then you drive all the way home and you've wasted two days learning the lines and, and the process. And when you still don't get it, then it's, it's tough. And everybody still has to audition, you know, big stars audition and don't get the part. So it's, it's a tough you know, it's tough. So I don't want to wait for somebody to tell me if I feel like creating something, I go in and write, I sit at the piano and write a song. Oh, or I go to my typewriter and write, write, write on my book. You know, I need to keep working. So, you know, I think it's, I think anybody who just waits to act is an idiot. <laughs> well, I think anybody, not even just acting, I think anybody that waits for anything in life is an idiot. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it, it just doesn't work that way. You, you need to, you know, you need to either be into raising your kids and waiting for the acting job or, you know, uh, unless you're on a soap, which goes every day, or you're on a series and then you don't have time for anything but that. So, and then that would be lovely. I'd love to have a sitcom right now, but I, and that would be fine. I my husband has passed away. So it's me and my dog, you know, so uh, I could do it now. But when I was younger, I did want to have time to raise my son and yeah, do stuff like that. So it was, it's, it's good not to put all of your eggs in one basket. So here now from all that that you mentioned, because usually a lot of things I, I can't find online. So you said you're doing headshots and this is in the eighties. Uh-huh. Is that when you started doing that? 84. Uh-huh. 84. Who were, was there any like people that were like no names that you did the headshots for that went on to do anything? Well, a lot of stars called me to do them like Penny Marshall. <laughs> oh, and that's awesome. I, yeah, I mean, I shot a lot of people, but just because they hired me to shoot them, yeah. you know, you know, it's decent money, and oh, yeah. and you're in and you're having fun, you know. I I I understood lighting from being in the theater from when I was so young. I started looking at the effects of lighting when I was 13 years old on stage, you know, and really, photography is about the lighting. Oh, no, that's, it's so important. And here's another question. Is there anything you can't do entertainment-wise or oh. creative-wise? <laughs> do you paint too? I'm sure there are a lot of things I can't do, but I can't dance anymore. I used to dance. I, oh. I love dancing. I, I loved going to Joe Tremaine's dance class. He, <laughs> he's the first one who did all those dance conventions oh, way yeah. before um, 
uh, what's your face, Abby Lee Miller. But no, I just love all art. You know, I love all art and I love people. So I, I like to study people and, and look at their mannerisms. And so I am an artist and luckily can say I've never had a job outside of the art. That's well, you know how to do so much that helps. And I see it on here. You you did a, a video short, you directed one. Uh huh. Yeah. I'm really into writing and creating and directing right now. So, uh, I'm working on a horror movie oh, that nice. I'm, yeah, that I'm writing and plan to direct. So I have that going and you know, you just keep going till you get too tired to do it. Look at all, look at all the presidential candidates. I know they're all near 80. <laughs> hey, you can never you. Stop. Yeah. You can never stop because you just don't stop till you stop, yes. <laughs> you know? Well, that's so cool. Well, this has been really awesome. I've had a lot of fun. Me too. Me too. Yeah, I got to go get packed because I'm getting a little bit of a scratchy throat and I have to catch a very early plane in the morning. So, All right. Well, thank you so much. I got so much. Oh, this. thank and, uh, you. I've had a great time. Cool. And let's. I'm going to be releasing a CD soon, uh, a new EP, and maybe we could do talk about music on the next one. Man, wasn't she awesome? So I'm going to put all of her social media links in the episode description so you could be able to follow her. She has a lot of cool stuff coming out, and it was a pleasure to talk to her. And it's pretty cool at the end. She was like, you know what? Let's talk again when my album comes out. So we'll definitely do that. Thanks again, Susie. And don't forget to tune in this Thursday. It's our interview with actress Lisa London, who's also a singer. And she is she plays a prostitute in the next film we're covering sudden impact it was directed and starred clint eastwood so that'll be a blast so make sure you subscribe share tell your friends and also make sure you follow us on all social media at sequels only and our website sequels good night